Hi there, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Folks, our desire is that we can incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit in power, reviving His Church here in West Michigan, but also in our state and our nation, and then leading to a great spiritual awakening all for His glory. But for that to happen, it's just critical that first we listen to what God is saying to us and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to His instructions in humble obedience. Well, what a privilege to uh, welcome a, uh, a friend that I've known for a number of years, but I don't see him all the time, but he was in town uh, a week or so ago uh, talking about prayer, but uh, this, I'll say a little bit more about him, but welcome John Mitchell. Uh, so great to be with you, Randy. It's always an honor, man. Love you, and uh, our hearts are so aligned. You got it. Let me tell you a little bit more about John. He has an amazing spirit, heart, and passion for the kingdom of God and desires to see lives ignited by, and we're going to talk about this, the manifest presence of Christ. Mm. There, there's, there's something in there that we need to unpack a little bit. He's the growth director of the College of Prayer International, which is a global ministry actively mentoring, training, and equipping. And I'm, I'm amazed at this. We're going to talk about this too. Over 15 million Christian pastors and leaders. And why? To reach a lost world through a revived church. I love that. Yeah. He provides oversight to the growth traction to the vision and travels extensively to stir revival and teach on prayer wherever he goes. He also oversees Revival Now Media, which is an equipping ministry that provides churches and families with video, audio, and print resources that lead people to a fresh encounter with Christ, and then it equips them to live lives empowered by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He lives in Metro Atlanta, which is where the uh, uh, College of Prayer is headquartered, and he yep. loves spending time with his wife and three little girls, as well as, and this is where it's really got me, <laughs> as well as watching the Alabama Crimson Tide beat other teams in football. I, Most I of really, the time. I was really with you, John, <laughs> up to that point, but being from Michigan and you know, maize and blue and all that we have here. Yep. So you obviously have a real connection to Alabama. Yep. Born there. I uh, was there for a couple of years when I was first born. My dad was pastoring there and then mm -hmm. uh, came back there after college and worked for a number of years there in Birmingham. And uh, yeah, we we're we're told to choose Alabama or Auburn at our birth. So uh, <laughs> my family was Alabama. OK, oh, that's good. Well, let's get, let's get into this a little bit. You talk about reaching a, a lost world through a revived church. And, uh, you know, I love that. Yeah. Unpack that a little bit. What do you mean by yes. that? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, our ministry, as much as a, a global prayer, we have a global prayer movement. Right. Uh, we also, you know, consider ourselves a global missions movement because prayer, the fulfillment of prayer ultimately is the reaching of the nations. Mm. And uh, this is just biblical. You know, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Mm -hmm. um, when the Holy Spirit came on the upper room in Acts, uh, they were empowered. They had been in prayer and then they left that place and thousands came to Christ right there in Jerusalem on the streets. And so the fulfillment of all prayer is the reaching of nations. That's where it's all headed. And, uh, and so we, we try to not only build the house of prayer uh, for the church to be revived, which 
there, if, if there is no prayer, there is no revival because it is prayer that attracts the manifest presence of God. Um, and so we just believe that the last people on earth won't, won't be reached through a lukewarm church, a prayerless church, but they will be reached through a revived praying church. If you want revival, you have to have prayer. And so, uh, you know, that's just our heart. That's in our DNA. That's ultimately where it all heads and where we encourage every mm-hmm. church who's building a house of prayer. You know, not, it's not just for them. It is for the reaching of their neighbors and the nation. That's really By the good. grace of God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that really is, it's not just to be in our little holy huddle and, and so yep. on, but it's, it's to equip us so that we reach out because that's, that's Christ's heart is, is to reach the lost and bring them in. He died. He paid the price and, and he, he wants people to come. He's not happy when people die and spend eternity in hell. That does not yeah. delight him. Again, that's just because they didn't lose their sin. They, they, died with their sin on them, but he's not happy about that. So right. you talk about the manifest presence. Let's get right to that right now. Because <laughs> we know that, that God is omnipresent. He you know, exists. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yep. But this term is, is used quite a bit in this area of revival, is it not? The manifest presence of God. Talk about that. What does that mean? Yeah. So, you know, this isn't... Um, this is, I would say, renewed language in the church these days. Okay. Uh, it's, it was yeah. kind of forgotten for a time, a season, and we really began to focus <laughs> on programs and buildings and all of these other things that are part of churches. Uh, but there's been a rediscovery, is, that's how I like to say it, a rediscovery of the manifest presence of God. Mm. And that we see that all throughout Scripture. I mean, it's the verses like, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come in. That's the mm-hmm. manifest presence of yes. Christ. He's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. The reward is his presence yeah. in Hebrews. Uh, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. All of those things aren't talking about the omnipresence, the everywhere presence mm-hmm. of God, because, you know, God is everywhere. Uh, and thank God he is. Yes. Um, but he is manifested when we are wholly aware of Mm. his presence drawing near to us. And it's manifested in different ways, repentance, healings, uh, a a renewal of our hearts. When when we're reading even the scripture and truths from the scripture, Mm. jump off of the pages into our hearts. We've had an encounter with the manifest presence of God. Yes. Uh, When we're in prayer and there's answered prayer. That's an encounter with the manifest presence of God, all of these things. And so, you know, there's the omnipresence and there's the manifest presence. Both are biblical, both are real, both are true to God's nature. Um, But the manifest presence is when God is tangibly perceived. It's specific. It's normally reserved for God's people. It is, uh, you know, normally in response to prayer and to Mm -hmm. seeking. Yes, uh, it is, you know, it's personal. Hmm. And so that's the kind of 30,000 yeah. foot view no, of the manifest presence. Well, when you read about the revivals that have happened, the awakenings that's, that have happened yes. in the past, and I am so desirous to see that happen in our time, we're going to talk about that. But so many yeah. of those, there'll be people standing, there'll be preaching, praying, and the manifest presence of God will just be there. Yep. And most people are flat on their faces at that point. I mean, they're overwhelmed. You think of 
of the you know the Mount of Transfiguration when the oh, Father yeah. appeared, you know, with his voice, you know, Peter and the others, you know, were were on their faces. You think of Isaiah when God showed up. Yep, and he's exactly. just overwhelmed. You know, it's that sense. I mean, in God's presence, even in the book of Revelation, John, yeah, when John is just oh. Even though he knows Jesus, he's the beloved disciple, you know, he's just, whoa, in, in God's presence like that, that, uh, again, it, it's, it's, it's almost scary in a way, it's over, it can be overwhelming, but in the end, it's, it's, it's wonderful, it's what we need to, to bring people, to draw people to, to our God, our King of Kings, and our Lord of Lords, so that's, that's really Yeah, great. and to, to, clarify too because uh you know this is a diverse audience yes this is not a charismatic thing it's not no. a pentecostal thing this is a biblical thing and honestly you can't love jesus and not love the manifest presence of god because he is the manifest presence right. of god he's called emmanuel god with us mm. and it is the manifest presence that yeah. separates the church from every other religion and yes. church group or you know religious group right. and you know, the mosque down the street, the yep. temple down the street. It, yep. it is the manifest presence that separates the church. That's good. That's good. And, you know, you, you talk about the charismatic movement and so on. I really appreciate it as you spoke. Just, I mean, it's so easy. Again, our, our arch enemy, Satan, loves to divide and conquer. He says, well, oh, you know, you're not like that. You're not. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I just loved your emphasis we're really not talking about, you know, we, this, you know, second blessing necessary. We're talking about the fullness of the spirit that yeah. Ephesians 5.18 says, you know, don't be drunk with wine where it is in his excess, but be constantly filled and refill. Yeah. We leak. Yep. Yeah, so, we leak. Yep, we're leaky. I liked how you said it, when you spoke, you said it's really not a matter of theology. We're talking about a matter of control. Who's in That's charge? That's exactly right. Yep. I like that. And, and maybe want to unpack that a little bit more. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, we've we've tended to make the issue of the Holy Spirit a, the, a theological issue, and it is absolutely not a theological issue. It is a control issue. Who is in control mm. of your life? And we all know, you know, when we come to faith in Christ, we're born of the Spirit. The Scripture says yes. in John, and yes. and it's like there's a seed planted in us. But Paul constantly is exhorting the church to let that seed grow into the fullness of the empowerment of the dwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And he mm -hmm. actually says, be being filled, be continuously filled. Mm -hmm. Yes, there, I do believe there is a, a, a moment where there is a full life change when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't stop us from continuing to pursue more and more fullness because there's more to be had. Yes. And the more control I give him of my life, the more I'm going to get of him. And it's really, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not an issue of, um, you know, it, it's, it's an issue of, I have you now I want you to have all of me. That's good. That That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is. And so he's given in response to those who ask him, as it says in Luke 11, which Jesus emphasizes after he had taught his disciples how to, how to pray. He kind of puts an exclamation mark on it and says, you really want to learn to pray? You know, even if you though are evil, know how to get good, to, good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask? ask so you really him. want to learn to pray? Ask for the Holy Spirit. And so it is absolutely a control issue. 
who's in control of your life. Satan wants to take it down a hundred different avenues that will get us sidetracked instead of keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is that we all need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live this life Jesus has called us to live. Amen. And it's not a, a one-time you know, done thing, you know, one and right. done sort of thing, is it? I mean, it is a daily. I mean, I. Yes. One absolutely. of my favorite scriptures is Luke 9, 23 and 24. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross <laughs> yeah. daily and follow me. And right. uh, so there's a dailiness. And even during the day, many times, in fact, you emphasized that when you spoke of, of needing to just, Lord, I, I think I've taken control back to me and I, mm. I want you to have control. We need to do that, don't we, on a regular basis? Yeah, it, that's the absolute truth. Sometimes for me, and maybe a lot of parents out there, I'm a parent of you. You've got a, a tribe. I've got three <laughs> uh, young ones, and you know, sometimes it's a moment by moment <laughs> need to be filled. Uh, you know, you, you go throughout your day, and there's a lot pulling at you, and sometimes yes. it's like minute by minute. Okay, Holy Spirit. Fill me again. Fill me again. I need you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is that is so true. So, you know, we talked about how issues like the Holy Spirit and and there's other issues, you know, the, the spiritual gifts or there's cessationists and there's, you know, whatever. But some of that, they, they, those are details. I mean, the heart of it is, you know, th that uh, we are saved, um, you know, solely by by grace, through yep. faith in Christ alone. Um, and if, if, in fact, two people have done that, you know, that they have placed their faith in Christ alone for their salvation through grace, a gift, they are brothers and sisters, whatever, um, permanently, forever. Yep. Again, the enemy likes to make us, oh, we're not like that. We're not like, we worship a little bit different. Well, we do this. Uh, you, we love our labels, man. Yeah. We, you, you came up with a term that I, that I've, I've, I've borrowed and I, maybe I have to pay you the royalties. I'm not Nothing. Sure. <laughs> it's all God's. <laughs> all I God's. get it. The great collaboration. Yeah. I was, we, we were, we gave, we were given the great commission by Jesus, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. So go make disciples and, you know, teach them to obey and baptize them and so on. But, uh, but you talk about the great collaboration that we really kind of need even more today. We'll unpack that a little bit, would you? Yeah. So, you know, God really convicted this for me uh, in the last two years. This really became, it became a term that kind of rose to the top in my spirit. Um, and, it, and a lot of it comes out of John, you know, where Jesus says, make them one as we are one. Mm -hmm. uh, and that high priestly prayer that he prays in John 17. And we, the church in these days, isn't going to get the job done singularly. It's not going to get the job done on its own. You know, one single church is not going to get this job of the Great Commission done. It's yes. going to require all of us keeping the main thing, the main thing, and not all of these sidetracked theological mm -hmm. issues, but keeping Jesus front and center, all yes. eyes on Jesus, yes. you know, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, Hebrews, Hebrews 12, and coming into agreement that his glory and for his honor, we work together under the unity of the Holy Spirit to get this harvest which God, which Jesus says, there is a harvest and it is plentiful, but that we work together to reap that harvest. 
And I really believe, you know, this is kind of a prophetic word the Lord gave me mm-hmm. in the last year that I, I do believe we're close, you know, personally in my spirit, I believe we're, we're moving towards the end of days yes. and that the great commission, we're going to see a, a great harvest that comes mm-hmm. in the days. And I, I, re, I, re, I believe it's close, but the churches and the ministries that choose not to collaborate, mm. that choose not to come together in unity for the reaping of this harvest of souls are going to be moved out of the way. Mm. And the ones that will say, you know what, we've got differences of opinion on this, that, and the yep, other, yep, we worship yep. difference, all, all that, but we are committed to working together to see this harvest come. And, uh, you know, as, as farmers harvest at, at harvest time, uh, when a har- when a farmer often finishes his field, he'll come to help another farmer to to, to finish their field and their reaping, yep. and yep. and that's what it's going to take. And that the churches and ministries that come together for that are going to be the ones he uses for this third great awakening. Well, I fully believe that. I fully believe, it. and not only I, I don't. It's not just me. Yep. You know, I've been in different ministry settings yes. with with many of the most influential leaders mm-hmm. in our nation, particularly in the U.S. over the last year, and they're all hearing that same word. I agree. Yes, that's really and good. And so that's the great collaboration that's that, going that's to really help good. fulfill the Great Commission. Now, you do a lot of traveling around the world. Your ministry does. Yep. And I have, I saw I have good on good authority that that in the nations that are under some persecution for the Christians, that the church is growing in those nations, whereas in the nations where things are relatively free and easier for followers of Christ, the church has been stagnant or in decline. First of all, do you you verify that reality? A hundred percent, hundred percent. So, but part of that is what we just talked about. Because in the nations where there's persecution, you don't care too much about the label on the other Christian that you're meeting in the foxhole to pray with, as it were. Exactly you know what right. I mean? Yep. We're, we're on the same team, and we got to get the job done, and the church is growing. Yep. But in our yep. country, oh, I go to church maybe twice a month, and I'm <laughs> nice to my neighbors, and I'm a Christian. I know but, a few verses. I can yeah, sing a exactly. couple songs. Yeah. So what's it? Is it going to take persecution to get the American church totally on fire? You know, honestly, I hope not. Um, it certainly could could lead that way. I, I hope not. You know, I'm not a person like God, God let your ju- judgment come upon us. And, yeah. and all. we don't want God's judgment. No. Trust me on that. No, uh, you got, you got three people... kids. You got a wife and three kids. You don't want them to hurt because you love them. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people pray that way. I, I you know, I don't, I don't lean into that stream um, yeah. too much. I, I don't want God's judgment because you know, it's, it's awful. Yeah. Uh, I want God's grace and conviction. And what I really want, Randy is hunger. I want yeah. hunger to be released on our nation. Um, and this is where it all, you know, comes down to is hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will, will be filled. And Paul says in Romans, no one seeks God. No one seeks after mm-hmm. God. So the simple fact that there is hunger that is stirring globally mm-hmm. is a miracle. And what we're seeing is that hunger is the deepest 
in the spiritual stomachs of the believers who are in primarily persecuted regions or where faith mm. is oppressed in some form or fashion. Um, we don't have that same hunger here in the U.S., and that's, that's just an honest assessment. Now, do I believe it's growing? Absolutely. I, I fully believe that. But our, our globally, it's much more prominent. And it's in the rumblings, you know, when you get hungry, your stomach rumbles and yes, all of that. Yes, the yes. rumbling of that hunger is louder globally and particularly in those nations mm. that are oppressed. Um, and just, you know, way of way of example, mm. uh, and I won't give specific countries here, but we know that in Eastern Europe right now, uh, there's a significant amount of bad news coming out of Eastern yes, Europe, Ukraine, absolutely. all that's yes. happening. And it is for real. It is bad, really yes. bad. Yes. But but at the same time, that shaking that's happening is opening the doors for the church. And many of us think of Eastern Europe as a very oppressed area. Of, you know, it, it, spiritual growth is, has been non-existent for a long time. But I'm telling you, uh, you know, our past this past week, our president's been there in, in one of those nations and uh, he has served we've introduced our ministry and he's been teaching leaders of the largest and fastest growing church movement in all of Europe. All right. When you say your, your president, you're talking about the president of your ministry, of the college of prayer. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Fred, Fred Hartley, not, not Joe Biden. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's just clarify that. Okay. Yeah. Fred Hartley, our president of our ministry. Uh, and this church movement among the Roma people throughout Eastern Europe, is the fastest growing church movement in all of Europe. And they are now in every nation of Europe. And they've invited the College of Prayer to serve them throughout every nation of Europe where they have churches. And the shaking that's taken place in Eastern Europe has opened all of these doors. We, now, we've been praying for Eastern Europe and for Europe specifically as a leadership team and our intercessors. We have over 5,000 intercessors have been praying for this for years. And I, I literally mean years. And it is now as the shaking is coming to Eastern Europe, particularly that doors are flying open left and right. Wow. Because there's oppression that leads to hunger that says we got to have the, we got to have something else to make it through this. And that something else is the presence, the manifest presence of God, the empowering presence of the Holy spirit. And all of that is accessed through prayer. And so now we have this huge opportunity to build the house of prayer all over Eastern Europe and really all over Europe because of the shaking. Wow. So we need more hunger in America among American Christians. We, oh, need, yeah. to be, we need to be praying yeah. toward that end. And who knows how God's going to bring that. I hope it's not through. Exactly. It, that's exactly if it right. is. It is, but we need, you know, the, the, you know, we're going to be in life is short on this planet. You know, the older you get, the, the, right. the shorter it seems, obviously. And eternity is forever. We want to lay up treasures in heaven. So we got to be willing to whatever it takes. But but Lord, if Amen. there's a way to do it without persecution, do it. But we we're on his team, whatever he chooses. Yeah. And, you know, often, Randy, our our version of persecution yeah. is a lot different. Yes. <laughs> and than what it what there's is in Asia and the Middle East and, <clears throat> and uh, in different parts of the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we consider persecution <laughs> like when somebody doesn't agree with us at work or 
yeah. you know, a hundred little kind of petty things. Oh, yeah. Their <laughs> understanding of persecution is like when people get put in jail yeah. and people lose their lives oh, and yeah. churches get burned down yes. or run over by bulldozers. And I can testify all of those things that ha have happened to churches within our ministry in those contexts. <laughs> I want to, uh, you mentioned in, in the uh, bio that you gave that you are training and equipping 15 million pastors and church leaders. How is mm -hmm. that possible? I mean, you don't have a million people on your staff, needless to say. How are you able no, to yeah. do that? <laughs> By the grace of God. Um, you know, here's the thing. God protect has protected us in many ways in our ministry, and growth has come it was coming very slowly uh, for about the first 15 years of our ministry. We've been in ministry now for 25 years in the College of Prayer. Mm -hmm. um, but it, for the first, first 15 years, it was, it was just, you know, slow, gradual growth. And we used those years, particularly from 2011 till about 2015 or so, really to build our foundation, infrastructure, uh, all of these things that God has gave us time in a sense to build. Mm -hmm. And he kept telling us, and this is no joke. He kept telling us as, as leaders, do not despise the, the, the days of small beginnings. Okay. Do not despise the days of small mm -hmm. over and over. We kept hearing that word and we kept trusting, trusting, trusting. And then it was really, I would say 2015 ish where things began to explode as whole denominations and church networks mm -hmm. around the world began to, hear about us and say, come serve our people. Come, you know, some of the largest church networks on earth wow. began to ask us to come and serve them. And that's when things really began to explode. And by the grace of God, we had things in place that could support the weight of that. Mm. That included leaders who we had spent years with okay. uh, people in our ministry. We, we call it the revival prayer Institute, 210 people who we've invested years in every single month to be raised up as revivalists and, and teachers and, and who can facilitate these environments all around the world. And then we have an incredible network of regional directors and national coordinators and thousands of volunteers who help, you know, who, who are the boots on the ground, so to speak. Awesome. But we keep our own organizational mm -hmm. presence very yes. small, okay, as yeah. small as we can. Why? So again, to encourage our people to, to learn more about College of Prayer International and help them, help them. They're doing an incredible job around the world. Your, your heart, I mean, I, I love your heart, John. Um, hmm. You want to see God win big and God is going to win big and you want to be Amen. part of that. But prayer is such an important part of getting, of, of, of calling God uh, in, into this world and, and to have an impact. You have not because you ask not, you know, from James. Yeah, amen. Amen. How can you speak to the, the, the audience right here as to what they need to do to, to grow in their prayer life? Again, you, you spend a whole day on it basically, but, but yeah. summarize, you know, what would you say, what would be the next step for someone to take that wants to get more growth in their, in their, their prayer life? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, to, to, the first thing I always tell people is first, God, what God wants with you, first of all, he's father. He's not just God or Lord. The name he chose for himself was literally Abba, daddy, yes. father. Yes. Yeah. Get to know him as father. 
And that's even when the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. The first thing he said is pray this way, say our father, Father, Abba. And every prayer recorded of Jesus in the New Testament, he begins with that word father, except when he hung on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Every other prayer begins with literally daddy, Abba, father. And so first I would say, break down some of your religious traditions and get to know him as father first. And don't project maybe some of your own woundings that you've had from your earthly father onto your heavenly father. He's not the same. And so get to know him as father, but keep it simple. If you're just journeying into prayer, keep it simple. Don't expect to sit there and pray for an hour, two hours, three hours, and maybe you will. And (laughs) praise God, if you do, that wasn't my experience, but um, you know, get to know him as father and take five minutes in your morning. Father, I just come to you in your presence today. Thank you that you're a good father. Thank you that you're my father. Thank you that the spirit testifies to my spirit, that I am a child of God. Those kind of prayers, just setting your day in motion, not your phone, but yeah. your, but the, but God's face, oh, you know, not your face on social media. Yeah. Maybe then take a moment in the middle of your day to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just pray five minutes. And then in your day, in the same way, pray again. Just little steps that are going to begin to walk you down the road of prayer into the presence of God. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people get overwhelmed with prayer and yeah. they've, they've, they've known prayer in a specific boxed in environment. Yes. And maybe that, and for most people, to be honest with you, that's needs based. Mm-hmm. It's treating God as a vending machine. Lord, yeah. I need this. Lord, yeah. I need that. Yeah. Lord, do this. Lord, yes. answer this. And that's okay. Please, you know, don't misunderstand me. That's okay. There's a place for that in prayer, mm-hmm. but that is not the primary purpose of prayer. The primary purpose of prayer is that you move into further relationship that's it. with the father. Yeah. This is what Jesus had. And this is why the disciples, the one thing they asked Jesus to teach them was to pray because they saw a relationship with the father that with God that they did not know. Yeah that had never been taught to them or shown to them or modeled to them. So good. And here it is right in front of their face. Jesus has this relationship with God that is totally revolutionary. That's good. So get to know him as father. And then there's other ways, you know, um, you know, begin to worship him, read the scripture, let the scripture be your prayer guide. Mm -hmm. If you don't know where to go in prayer, begin reading the Psalms. I mean, they're pretty much all prayers and make them your prayer. If you don't know, if you don't have the words yet, the language yet to, to have, to talk with the father, get into the Psalms and just let it speak for you and and turn that into your prayer. Very simple, very simple. Now, if you're a more seasoned prayer warrior, I would say, um, expand your understanding of the house of prayer. And we have some ways to do that. Um, and, and we unpack the Lord's prayer pattern. Mm -hmm. Uh, in seven ways, there's seven rooms of the house of prayer, we Mm -hmm. say, and begin to explore some of those other rooms. You can go to revivalnow.media. We have a whole series called Lord Teach Us to Pray that may be helpful for you if you're a more seasoned prayer, uh, prayer, I like to say, and um, that may be helpful for you to continue to expand your understanding of the house of prayer and the different Mm -hmm. rooms that are involved that Jesus unpacks in the Lord's prayer pattern. So I'd encourage you to do that Um, So there are deeper ways to grow 
your influence in yeah. prayer. And how can they find uh, that house of prayer thing? Where can yeah, they go? if you go to revivalnow.media yes. instead of .com, revivalnow.media, we have a whole several eight video series there okay. Okay. Um, that are all available for free to small yeah. groups of people who just want to grow. And one of those video series is uh, Lord Teaches to Pray. Okay. And it unpacks the seven rooms awesome. of the house of prayer that can take you deeper. Awesome. Well, as we bring the plane in for a little landing here, anything else that you'd like to share that's on your heart before we, we close in prayer? Yeah, you know, um, I, I would say don't overcomplicate prayer. Just look at it as a relationship. I love uh, it. God wants to speak to you. And he wants you to speak to him. It's just a relationship. Yep. It can happen driving down the road. It can happen, you know, as you make time and space for him um, in your day. It can happen in the church. It can happen in your family. It can happen in your marriage. And just let prayer become a normal part of your day. Hmm. I think we try to silo everything, particularly in the American context. We, we try to make silos out of everything. Yes. Relationship with God is not a silo. It should encompass every part of our life. I love it. And so when we uh, are in our home, just with our, in conversation with our children, with our spouse and a need comes up, you know what? Let's stop right now and pray about that. That's so good. An issue. And, and so it just becomes part of who we are. Yeah. That's what prayer should become. Yeah. I have a friend who, who said that prayer is the communication part of the most important love relationship that we have. Amen. And I, I like that's that a good a word. I mean, it's just a two way. It's someone that loves us and we love him and need to love him more and get to know him better. So Amen. thank you, Jim. Why don't you close us in prayer, would you, brother? Absolutely. Father, thank you for your love for us, that you would make a way for us to be able to talk with you, to have relationship with you. And you did that through Jesus, yes. who became God in the flesh for us, mm. who represented you in all of your fullness, your nature, your characteristics, your love, your grace for us. He embodied all of that. And we thank you, Jesus, for revealing God to us. And thank you that you taught us how to pray, that you taught us that the Father wants deep intimacy with us, that we don't have to be like those in the past who had a, a relationship with you from a distance. Mm that you actually call us to come close and near. Yes. Yes. And so, Lord, we take up that promise in James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so we say, Lord, draw our hearts close to you. We take a step of faith today in prayer to begin a deeper, intimate relationship with you as our father. And I pray that you would empower every person listening by the power of the Holy Spirit to grow in their understanding and in their practice of mm -hmm. prayer so that we can grow in relationship with you. Mm -hmm. Father, bless those who are listening. Thank you for Randy, Marsha, their beautiful family. Continue to pour out your spirit on them in profound ways and in tangible ways. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 John, thank you for the time and just for your heart. God richly bless you, your ministry, your family as well. Amen. Thank you, Randy. Love you, man. Love you, too. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.